This episode of Healing Ninjas was recorded at the Brooklyn Podcasting Studio. You can check us out at brooklynpodcastingstudio.com. We deal with a lot of first-time podcasters, so if you're looking to start a podcast, this is the place to be because we actually want you to succeed and we actually care about your podcast. In addition to having a really, really relaxed and professional environment, we also give a lot of great feedback, tips, and really go out of our way to try to help podcasters with any questions that they may have. So if you're interested, please check us out at brooklynpodcastingstudio.com and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Healing Ninjas podcast, a space dedicated to highlighting the healing stories of everyday people. This podcast is not a replacement for professional support. This podcast may contain content that may be graphic, violent, or traumatic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. The goal of sharing these stories is to help you, the listener, hear how people have struggled in various ways and the steps they have taken to become healing ninjas, individuals who are seeking to master the art of healing. Healing is not a linear process. We all have our ups and downs. This podcast aims to create a brave space for people to share and learn from one another. I'm your host, Hernan Carvente Martinez. Welcome to the Healing Ninjas community. Hey everyone, so we're back with another episode of Healing Ninjas and today I am joined by my dear friend and fellow advocate out in Kansas and her name is Taishma Owens Council and Ty is her nickname so just just for my preference too because I like call her Ty all the time I'm just going to keep calling her that throughout this episode so know that I'm not just calling her because of you know just I'm comfortable with her so I know her and so Ty thank you so much for being willing to hop on and just for connecting and 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 being an awesome person. Oh, thank you, Hernan. I'm so excited. <laughs> I want people to know that part of why I'm excited of bringing Ty onto this podcast is I've I've had the pleasure of getting to know you, Ty, in in very intentional ways, right? Like I have been able to see your growth from being in the advocacy space around the movement to close youth prisons and then you kind of going through your own things as a mother, a recent mother, right? Like you recently became a mother and ultimately then going into this hurdle of trying to become your own boss, becoming a, a literal business owner and having your own agency, which I hope you give a shout out to and that you talk about a little bit more and also maybe how it overlaps with healing. But please, for everyone who doesn't know you and your awesomeness, can you tell people who is Ty and what does healing mean to you? Hi, guys. So my name is Taishma. I am um, a 25-year-old Black woman. I was a military spouse. My husband got out of the military last year. I am a mother to Adonis Council. He is 18 months, and I am a business owner. I own um, Virtual Goals Assistant Agency, and I love to advocate for um, young people mm. in general. And I received a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. Mm. And, and why is healing important to me? Was that the question? Mm -hmm. Healing is important to me because I think that um, growing up, that was never a part of the conversation. Mm. Like healing, that was just never a part of the conversation. It could be about like why you upset or why you're crying, but not how you could take that and heal from it and not let it, you know, deter you or um, create your future. Mm. And 
as you're kind of unpacking that very early, right? Like we don't talk about that a lot, right? We don't create a space for people to just openly share and be open about their emotions, their opinions, or the things that they have going on in a safe space. And when I got to know you, it, it felt like that that was not always a problem. Like you were pretty confident about what you wanted to do and like with your degree, what you wanted to go for. And then I noticed that moment and I recall it perfectly because we were actively communicating and then you became a mom and like the dynamic mm. really changed. Like I saw yes. that. And can you please share with our listeners like how did that transition based on everything you kind of just shared about yourself, you very quickly laid out wife, you know, to, to someone who was in the military, you're a mom, you're your own boss right now. But the particular piece around motherhood and because I know that piece, what was it like for you to become a mom and some of the struggles that you went through in that process? So becoming a mom was not easy from the very beginning. It wasn't easy. Um, so um, my husband, Mickey, we got married at 19. And instantly when we got married, everyone thought that we got married only because I was pregnant. Mm. They didn't believe that we could love each other <laughs> and want to just get married. So everyone just assumed a baby was coming. A year later, a baby was not there. Mm. So I went to college and um, towards me. So let me back up a little bit. So and I'm going to I mean, I'm talking to you, Hernan. So we just having some real conversation here. So in high school, I did not want to be a statistic. So I put myself on birth control. Mm. OK, so I was on birth control. I was married. And then I finally um, got off birth control because it was like a four year period that you had to do this um, type of birth control, which which was the implement implant. I don't know how you pronounce it, but mm -hmm. most women know what it is. So when it was time for um, that birth control to end, I wanted to get pregnant, but I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And so at that time, everyone was asking me, where is the baby? Or where is the baby? You know, our parents, our grandparents, everyone kept asking, where is the baby? And it was hard for me to say, I can't get pregnant. We've mm. been trying. So we have been trying for three years. And I just kept telling everyone school was more important. But in reality, that was not the case. Mm. But that was my coping method of dealing with that because I'm a woman. I should be able to get pregnant. Mm. It's not the way that it looks on TV. <laughs> so I was tracking my ovulation and everything. Couldn't get pregnant. So we had to go to a reproduction clinic to have Adonis. Um, so four months of going through all the different methods and processes at the reproduction clinic, we got pregnant, super excited. You know, um, I found out two weeks after I took the LSAT to go to law school that I was pregnant. So at that time it's like, okay, law school or baby. And it ended up being Adonis. Mm. Um, cause when, I, cause I thought I couldn't get pregnant. So I was like, okay, I'm going to law school you know, I'm going to go ahead and finish my career out. We'll put this on hold. And uh, we'll try this again later um, because they make women think you can't do both at the same time. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we finally get pregnant. Uh, pregnancy is going well. Happy as ever. No morning sickness or anything. Um, I think we hit around six months and I had to take a test to see if I had gestational diabetes and I did. So I had gestational diabetes with Adonis. Um it didn't matter what I ate. I could eat a salad with no dressing or anything. And my um, sugar levels was just so high the entire pregnancy. Mm. Um, 
And so then they told me that um, I had high blood pressure. So they put me on uh, bed rest. And um, at this time, I had a full-time job working nine to five. And um, I was on bed rest. And my job really didn't seem to care about me um, having doctor's orders to be on bed rest. So I was still working. Um, it wasn't until I had, my doctor had to send a letter and say she could not come to work. She has to stay home. Mm. Um, or Adonis would be delivered early or, um, she could, I, for some reason I was fainting. We didn't know why. Mm. So I was at home randomly fainting and it was just so weird because nobody knew why. So, um, one day I woke up and I just was throwing up so bad. I couldn't stop till the point that it was like, um, just clear. It wasn't even food at that point. It was just clear throwing up. So my husband rushed me to the emergency room. That time they gave me a shot um, to stop Adonis from. He was trying to de- come early, so they gave me a shot to a, a shot to stop my delivery. And so I went home. Two weeks later, the same thing happened again, but this time they did more research, and I ended up being in the hospital for 21 days. So at this time, they realized that I had uh, preeclampsia. Oh, wow. A lot of women um, don't make it out of that experience some moms pass away or the baby pass away like it is a very very traumatic experience to have preeclampsia as a pregnant mother um and so at that time i was in a hospital um for three days before they realized i had preeclampsia so as soon as they realized i had preeclampsia they came to my room and um they told my husband that the cure for preeclampsia was labor and birth. So I birthed Adonis. Um, and so that experience was, I'm like, okay, today's the day. I want music. I want to be on a bouncy ball. I want to be able to dance, you know, like do what I have to do to get through this pregnancy because I didn't want to take the upper door. Mm. So I get down to the labor and delivery room and I'm telling Mickey to go home and get the speaker, do this, do that. And the lady's like, do you realize that um, you have to uh, be on magnesium? And I'm like, no, what's that? And she was like, okay, well, you need to talk to, it was a nurse. She was like, I think we should call a doctor in here. She's like, clearly nobody has talked to you about what's about to happen. Oh my God. So today's the day that I'm giving birth and the doctor finally came. My husband is there and she's saying that I have to be put on magnesium because I was at risk of having a stroke or a seizure during labor. And magnesium is like a muscle depressant. Mm -hmm. So basically, I just laid there. I couldn't move. I couldn't. At this time, I couldn't even eat. I had ate or drank in five days because I couldn't keep anything down. Um, So I'm on magnesium, can't move. And that's just, uh, that just made me so depressed. Mm. So because I uh, was at risk of having a stroke or a seizure, um, I had to get the epidural. So I got the epidural and my labor and delivery was great. It was awesome. It was like the best experience that I could have ever had. I didn't even push. Adonis just, he was like, mommy, I got you. And he just <laughs> took control and he just came when he shout was ready. Shout out to Adonis. Shout out to <laughs> right, Adonis. Shout out to Adonis. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Adonis. I didn't have to push or anything. I told the nurse, I'm like, I'm about to, he's coming. And she's like, girl, you have like three more hours four more hours like we just started this process and she was like I'm about to go eat lunch and <laughs> um another nurse was walking by Mickey did a bird call and then she was like 
she could see Adonis. And then like 10 people ran. She did a bird call. 10 people ran in there. He was already out. Like he was already delivered. It was amazing. Oh my God. <laughs> so I'm like, yes, I don't have preeclampsia. So um, they take you up to the next level. You and the baby go. You have another 24 hours just to get monitored. So the next 24 hours, uh, it was so weird. I woke up to like 10 people standing over me at 10 o'clock in the morning. And they was like, oh, honey, you're not leaving today. They were like, um, you have postpartum preeclampsia. Oh, man. Right. So um, Adonis was good to go. He went home. And my mother flew out to take care of him. I was in a hospital for another two weeks without my baby. Without my baby. So it was just like an instant disconnect. This detachment because I didn't get to um, like breastfeed as soon as he came out or, you know, we didn't get to go home together. We didn't I didn't get to show him the nursery that I decorated for him. I didn't get to show him his new house. I didn't get to introduce him to any of it. Mm. I was laying in the hospital bed for another 14 days. So at one point they did say that he could stay. But um, he was crying so much and I was on magnesium and I'm like, I'm laying here. I can't do anything. The nurses would take forever to come check on him. I broke down and I told Mickey, just take him home. Because mm. I had to focus on taking care of me and getting out of this hospital. Mm. So that was like the hardest decision that I could have made as a mom. And I had been a mom for like three days at that point. And it literally tore me to pieces because Mickey didn't know if he wanted, if he, I mean, he, he had to choose between um being home with adonis or being with me in the hospital mm. yeah and his job still wanted him to go to work oh my God. he was in the military mm. um so he was like okay so he asked my mom to stay for a couple more weeks and um he stayed with me in the hospital it was to the point where the nurses were like going on vacation and coming back and i was still there oh my god <laughs> they literally knew like how mickey like Every night when he would come home from work, they knew how to set up. Like, he wanted three pillows. He wanted two, you know, comforters or whatever, blankets. They had it all ready for him. They they were like, it was like, a, I was a part, there was a part of my family, pretty much. Mm. So the nurses at Wesley Hospital really did take care of me. Shout out to Wesley Hospital. Gosh. Right, because I couldn't walk. I couldn't drink. I couldn't eat. And then, like, two days, I had cursed the doctor out. I'm like, yo, at this point, you're coming to me. You're talking to me with these big words. I don't know what you're talking about. All I want to know is, am I going home? What is wrong with me? Like, I don't understand what's happening. I feel I looked fine. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel anything. So it was just so weird to me because in my mind, I'm a healthy person. I eat good. I exercise. I, I didn't feel anything. But internally, I was not okay. Oh, man. Yeah. So it was pretty, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty intense for me. Ty, as you're describing that, right? Like, I can imagine being separated from your baby very early, having to make tough decisions that impacted both you, your partner, your family. Like, all of these things were happening in the spur of the moment. And, and somehow, some way, you were like, I'm pretty sure you sound very calm and collected right now as you're talking about it. But in the moment of, it was like, I'm in pain, I'm, but not. Yes. And then at the same time, I'm here, like trying to be a mom, and I'm, I'm also trying to kind of separate myself from my kid because, like, I, I, I need to take care of me. Yeah. What was the process like once all of that transition to going home and all that? Because I can imagine that it wasn't easy to the recovery period wasn't easy. You already described it, but mentally, 
how did that impact you and how did you come back from all of that? Oh my goodness. So I come home. Um, the magnesium doesn't just wear off. I have noodle legs. Like my second day home, I fell down the steps mm. and we were just so happy that I wasn't holding Adonis because I hadn't been able to walk for 21 days. I was just laying in the bed. Um, and so I could already tell the detachment that I had as soon as I came home, because when Adonis would cry, I would take him to my mom. Mm. She didn't say anything, but she was just like, hmm, that's odd. Mm-hmm. This is your baby. You know what I mean? So that was kind of odd. And so um, um, I just had an episode where I literally, and I'm being very transparent and very open about this because you make it so easy. But um, I had a night where I cried and I told Mickey to figure it out. And I locked myself in the guest room and I left him with a newborn baby. And um, at that time, I realized that I had postpartum depression and anxiety. Um, I didn't want to leave the house because I felt like leaving the house is my safe space. Like, I didn't want to go back to the hospital. I'm like, I'm safe here. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to talk to anybody. And then I had postpartum. So just like being a mother with postpartum and depression, I would say I feel like it was more hard on my husband than it was for me. Mm. Because we are just in Kansas with no help. So he didn't have anybody to call on. He had to take care of a sick wife and a sick baby. Mm. Shout out to your husband as well. We're just giving shout outs right now, left and right. Um, I feel like that, you know, as you're describing this, you know, I, I, I bring it back to my baby mom. Shout out to her because she, Celeste's mom, she was like going through all of this and as you're talking about it it just made me appreciate her all over again because i was literally sitting in a juvenile detention center as she was giving labor um wow and i found two found out two days after the fact <laughs> and wow. and so as you're describing this process i can't imagine going through it without the person who at that point is your significant other and right and as you're describing your process you know, I just want to really give a shout out to all of our listeners, all of the moms out there, right, who have experienced traumatic pregnancies or who have just gone through it and are still able to show up as mom, as wife, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and sometimes are not even able to show up for themselves, right? Right. And I know right. that part of the beauty of knowing your journey to tie a little bit is that you continue to excel on a personal level as well, right? Despite all of that, right? Like Adonis is a healthy baby. You're healthy yeah. right now. And, yeah. you know, I, I want people to hear maybe from you a little bit about how Ty takes care of herself now, how you take care of yourself, um, you know, carrying and juggling all of these different hats. And also maybe kind of lead us into how you do that for others a little bit, right? Like juggle other people's, lives and and administratively support through your own agency with virtual goal assistant interesting that's a really interesting question okay so how did i heal from that um i had to see a therapist um i realized that um i had really good self-awareness it Mm -hmm. didn't take for me it didn't take for my husband to be like "Hmm, something's wrong like i knew something was wrong with me so i was like i need to go see a therapist i need to get help 
Um, I'm like super depressed and it just was not me. And and then my job didn't help. I wasn't super motivated. They wasn't really understanding. It was corporate America. I was just, they didn't really care about any of this, what was going on. So uh, I went to see a therapist and basically she told me that um, I, need, I needed to heal from what was taken away from me, which was the kind of labor in pregnancy I had imagined for the three years that I couldn't get pregnant. Mm. Like I needed to go through that. I needed to heal from that experience. And my way of healing was like not wanting to hide that experience anymore. Like telling people, like I'm telling you right now. Mm. Um, because I just feel like I was ashamed. Um, cause women never talk about that part of pregnancy. Like women make it look like having a, being a mom is so easy. And it's not. It is no fucking joke. <laughs> right in. This is hard work, right? It's and so, fact. like, my mom, she did it by herself with four kids. She made it look so easy. And then here I am. How could I have pity on myself? And I'm a married woman. You know what I mean? Like, but it was just like my experience was so crazy. So um, I just had to accept what happened realize what I have that I survived that Donna survived preeclampsia and I I just had to let that let that guide me mm. to the next step of my life so then I realized that um I have been searching for the woman I was before mm-hmm. I want to get back to that I want to wait I want to wait that how much I weighed in that picture I wanted to you know be able to be in all these organizations and hold a full-time job and be able to make all the meetings. And I wanted to be that woman, but then I realized that I'm the woman I am now, that woman could never compare to. Mm. So then I started focusing on, on who I am now. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized like, I'm, I'm a boss. Yes. I'm a boss. And I do a lot for people. So why stay in corporate America when they don't even care about what I'm going through? Why, why do that? And so when I realized that my my hobbies were making sure other people were okay, like I didn't know how to describe my hobby, but I just I was just I was just laying with the donuts, you know, up doing a night shift, and I would just see on social media, make your hobby your 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 job, make your hobby your job, make your hobby your job. And I was like, what do I enjoy doing? I literally just enjoy helping people. That's all I like to do. I like to volunteer. I like to be on boards. I like to um, help people figure out their problems and like execute, you know, the plan to help them achieve their goals. And I remember talking to you about that. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, I want to start a business where I can help other black business owners or small business owners achieve their goals. So I didn't realize that it was a thing. So I looked into, um, I see, I seen, um, virtual assistant pop up on my Google, on my, you know, Facebook, you know, one of those ads. And I'm like, this is me because I can mm-hmm. help. I was helping nonprofits at that time, all the way in North Carolina and in Georgia. Mm. And I was like, Oh, this is a job. This is a, this is a, a career. Mm-hmm. Why? Like why, you know, so I needed to look into it. And I did. And when I did, I just felt like I found everything that I was missing was being a virtual assistant. Really? He mm. just made everything make sense. I want to like tell people straight up, y'all, that I was there for part of that process when she was like trying to figure out the name, trying to figure out the job description, and kind of like really honoring you, Ty, for 
diving into that process with yourself, right? Like you were very inquisitive, not just on like, what is a virtual goal system, but why am I passionate about this? Why do I love it? Right? Like you just shared that, right? Like you actually looked inside and was like, this is something I could do that I enjoy doing. That's fun for me that I could get paid doing. And you just went for it. And I think that that's such a, a beautiful thing to highlight for people, right? That you also realize that like corporate America doesn't care about me. So I'm just going to do my own thing because I want to care for myself. But I also care about the people that I work with so I can do what corporate America maybe didn't do for me for other people. And, you know, I just want to give virtual goal assistant agency a, a shout out because y'all are helping me, right? Y'all are having conversations with me about keeping me in order and making sure Healing Ninjas has structure and support and, and all of the administrative pieces back. So definitely shout out to you for that and shout out to your agency for that. What I would love for us to kind of really sort of wrap up with a little bit and 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 share with people. One, I will definitely share the goal, um, virtual goal assistant linked with everyone, just in case y'all want to connect with uh, Ty. And, and if you want Ty to be the person who's like managing your company or supporting you in the background, truthfully, y'all, uh, plug all the way, do it. Um, but as people are kind of hearing you, Ty, right? And like you're in this position where now you're you're trying to be your own boss and still be a mom and at the same time honor the parts of that story that journey all together for all the moms out there who are listening to you right now and are just like wow like damn i need to do something what's my hobby they're probably questioning that right now what would you say to them what would you say to those women or even the men if you have some words for them um of wisdom for people who are listening to you right now um so for moms, people ask me, how do I juggle and I balance um, living in pa- living in, in a pandemic, uh, starting a business, being a mother, and then my husband's a truck driver, so he's never home. I'd say I, I am um, very firm on not working after five o'clock, mm. and I let my clients know that up front. I will not work after five o'clock. After five o'clock, Adonis needs me to be a mother. I need to be a wife. Um, so I'm very firm on that. I set boundaries mm. and I don't step outside of my boundaries. I do not. Um, and as far as um, figuring out what I wanted to do, it was literally just asking myself, what did I wa- what do I do on my spare time? Mm. That's literally all I did. Because in my spare time, on the weekends, I would volunteer for like books and breakfasts. Um, if there was, I would literally ask nonprofits like, "Hey, do you need a volunteer?" Mm. That's just what, and that that's literally what I did my whole childhood. I volunteered. It was like my mom, even if we didn't have everything we had and we couldn't give money, we she would find a way for us to volunteer and give back that way. Mm. So that was just like how I was raised. It's like she had a nonprofit. Her friends had nonprofits. We would feed the homeless. We would um adopt families for Christmas, do toy drives, and um. Just try. My mom is really big on feeding the homeless. So when I moved to Kansas, I still wanted to volunteer. And then I realized that volunteering is literally what I do, what I love. But I could leave corporate, be happy, make some extra cash. And there it was. Mm. Virtual assistant. Virtual assistant, man. Oh, my God. So I'm trying to think of an example. I mean, I know some people make money off playing video games. Mm -hmm. Some people make money off walking dogs. Mm -hmm. Some people make money off of 
step in and cleaning dishes for moms who don't have time. It's like whatever you actually enjoy doing, you could really make a killing and make a lot of money off of it because your passion is just going to drive mm-hmm. that that beast out of you. So, so the money is going to come regardless when you're passionate. It's true. And I want to shout out all the entrepreneurs out there who might hear this and be inspired by you, Ty, right? Because we do have this energy of entrepreneurship that I think has come out in many ways, partly because of the pandemic and forcing us to kind of sit with ourselves. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing with my life? Um, And others just kind of really just sitting with the moment and realizing that this is the moment. This is where you take matters into your own hands and you start building legacy and wealth for you, your kids your family whatever it is and so are there any either books or places that you would recommend that people check out again like i said y'all i will definitely put ty's contact info and everything so y'all can connect with her but is there anything else you would share as a resource and if not any parting words or other words of wisdom that you would share with anyone who's listening not just moms um let's see resources resources Honestly, Hernan, I'm kind of weird. Like, I don't watch TV and I don't like listen to podcasts. Um, resources, huh? And it could be I, a simple thing, I, thing habit. Um, I just say, yeah, I just say set boundaries. That's all. Mm. Like, that's really how I transform my life. I just realized that um, nobody's going to take care of me the way I take care of myself. So I just got to be firm, have boundaries. And the people who respect those boundaries are the people that you want in your life. And if they don't respect those boundaries, then those are not the kind of people you want around, including clients. Like you can fire your clients if they're not um, understanding and they don't realize your worth. Other people will. So it's okay. Clients come and go. Like the first year of entrepreneurship has been up and down for me. And it's okay. Mm. It's all right. I just want to thank you for that reassurance for people who need to like maybe kind of set those boundaries and don't know how to, but acknowledge that part of the boundary setting is not in honor of like managing other people, but it's in honor of yourself. Right. And just accepting that and being one with yourself and, and knowing that you have to do that if you want to be sane, if you want to be okay. And so thank you for, and it's not a negative thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a conversation with my friend last night. I told her that I was setting a boundary and she said, well, you don't want to burn any bridges. And I said, well, this is not burning a bridge. This is making sure that I'm taken care of. My mental is taken care of. My family's taken care of. My happiness is priority. But that's not a negative concept. A Mm -hmm. lot lot of women think it is, though. Mm -hmm. I mean, men, women, I think a lot of people, especially if they're used to just kind of like overstepping boundaries and just kind of Mm -hmm. going with whatever you've given them before. And then when you tell them, yeah, I kind of have to take this power back and I, I can't have you doing this all the time anymore. And it's like, why not? And it's like, because right. I'm taking care of myself. Why now? And it's like, why is this even a question? I'm, do you love me or right. not as a friend, right? So I definitely, we could unpack that a whole lot more too. And, and I want to save that maybe for another episode. But, you know, in the spirit of this one, Ty, I just want to thank you for sharing the struggle that you went through with a traumatic pregnancy and coming back from that and, giving light and hope to other maybe women entrepreneurs out there who are just kind of also struggling with like motherhood and finding a source of income to survive right and you are doing that and 
like I said, Joel, I will share your Instagram, all of the stuff that you got so people can follow. So definitely follow Ty. And Ty, just again, thank you so much just for being who you are and for being truly a friend and a homie who is in Kansas, y'all. She is in Kansas. I'm here in New York, but we're still able to connect and support one another. So just thank you for the love and for supporting me both as a friend and as a colleague in the space. Thank you so much for having me, Hernan. If there's any moms that have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook. No judgment zone. I'm like a social butterfly. I will talk and have a conversation with anyone. So Hernan will drop those links. And if you're a small business owner, I have a team of assistants. So um, they're all trained well. And Hernan will drop that link too. But our website is VGAALLC.com. Thank you. Yes. Easy to remember, y'all. I will drop that link. And we'll stay in touch, my friend. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And follow us at Healing Ninjas on all social media platforms. If you're interested in sharing your own story, we'd love to hear from you. Go to www.healingninjas.org and sign up to be featured. We look forward to sharing your journey next.